famous patients um, that, that has ever, I guess, graced the floor here of HIMSS. We have e-patient Dave joining us with us right now. I don't know that I've ever aspired to be famous for being a patient. Well, yeah. you, I think you are, though. Yeah, I think yeah. you're, you're very um, well noted, especially um, within this crowd here, this health innovation crowd, the health IT crowd, and the just crowd being, Just being a smart aleck. Oh, That's no. what I do. <laughs> don't say that. So how is your HIMSS going this year? This place is nuts. <laughs> Why do you, you say know? that? Well, I mean, there's... So much innovation going on in so many different domains, and so much of it is people trying to figure out what's behind the buzz. And so what you is know? behind the buzz? Well, I, I don't have enough information to put it all together. One example that I think is highly relevant is everybody talking about blockchain. We were just talking about blockchain. Well, so, you know, it's, it's funny. On, on the one hand... It's obvious that it's something new. On the other hand, it's so different that people really don't have a bucket to put it in to a large extent. Of course, there are all people aren't identical. But the way I described it when I blogged about it after I read Blockchain Revolution a few mm -hmm. months ago was, I, I said, because my readers are not highly technical, I said, remember having heard about this. Because what this reminds me of is when we first heard about HTTP ah. in 1994, and people were saying, what? What is this? <laughs> well, not all, they weren't just saying that, but they were saying, what problem does this solve? Right. I don't need this. Mm -hmm. you know, and the exact same thing happened with SMTP, with email. You know, it just didn't solve a problem that mm -hmm. most people had. Right. But it was a new layer of possibility Right. That's anybody can say layer of infrastructure, but a new layer of possibility on which a whole bunch of things unfolded. Right. And that's what's happening with blockchain. The tricky thing is that so many people are spewing things about blockchain that are just not connected to reality. What do you mean? Well, so Wired ran okay. an article last month about it in which the CIO of my hospital was talking about how it would make possible all kinds of new ways for patients to control their data. There is not a single thing about blockchain that, as a storage device, as a, as a storage platform, that couldn't be done in any other kind of database. The problem is that the hospitals, including this guy, are not releasing the data to something outside their own walls. I see, okay. All right, and yet, in fact, I tweeted with the author of the Wired article saying, what's going on with here? Because this, this it doesn't have anything to do with that. Sure. And she actually responded that, to her knowledge, blockchain is not someplace where you would store the data. Um, excuse me, what else is it other than <laughs> other a distributed than <laughs> ledger, right? So, but, you know, the, this is what happens when vast new possibilities arise. It's part sure. of the process. Sure. It's chaotic. It's mind-numbing, but it's awfully stimulating. Well, yeah, definitely. And so I, I want to jump off on that because I just think, you know, in, in addition to being mind-numbing and stimulating, I think that there needs to be almost a paradigm shift in thinking for that CIO that you had mentioned from the hospital. How do they need to change how they think about patient data in order to let a technology like that really become as powerful as it could be in terms of transforming healthcare? Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the P word, paradigm, because the uh, I've actually, in the last couple of years, I've been studying formally, what does paradigm mean? Uh, a lot of people in the innovation world uh, use it for any new approach 
to but, something. Right, but it's not. But that, like, oh, I got a whole new paradigm for ordering pizza. <laughs> right? Which is, no, a paradigm. There's this landmark book published in 1962, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, that laid out, based on centuries of evidence in multiple sciences, mm-hmm. how it is that a scientific field decides, here's how the world works so that then the people in the field can do experiments and agree that this was worth studying. Sure. All right, well, and when, for instance, with Copernicus, when it turns out that the Earth being the center of the solar system really doesn't work, because it works for most observations, but Mars is doing this weird thing that turns out, and it, that it only all really works when you put the sun at the center of the solar system. Uh, and that is a major shift in how the practitioners in the field, astronomers, view the universe. That's a paradigm change. It always takes a generation, largely because it's funny, Max Planck, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, said in 1918, uh, a new scientific truth does not win acceptance by persuading its opponents. It wins acceptance because its opponents eventually die. <laughs> And a new generation comes up. Sure. Right? Now, I would rather, even if I'm in the older generation, I'd rather survive and <laughs> get the new view. Sure. But we need to be patient and be, the, the important thing is be clear about what's reality versus what seems to be reality. So let's connect this yes. into healthcare then, because I'd love to get your perspective. What do you think as far as, as healthcare is concerned then? Are we in the midst of a paradigm shift? And if so, where are we? Are we at, are we at the crescendo of it? Are we just starting out? What do you think? Well, so there is something, one of the, Thomas Kuhn in his book about paradigms points out how one of the major obstacles to a paradigm shift, uh, and it's, it's a culture, it is not just a scientific discovery, because the scientific discovery is commonly not accepted, mm-hmm. because it means that all the people in charge of the wrong view are wrong, and they tend to be unhappy about that. A good example of this, the most recent one that I know of, is when the field of economics was turned upside down over the last 30, 40 years by the discovery of behavioral economics. Once the evidence that the old view doesn't work gets going, fights break out at conferences. People in the establishment or or in journals writing papers about how stupid the, the new view is, people fight for their lives academically. So. In healthcare, there's an additional problem, and the following is not a complaint, even though people think it's a, a complaint. The financial reality of the structure of the industry makes it very hard for people to start operating differently. Correct. Because the reimbursement will not follow the new model. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a much greater problem in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Correct. So, we are at the stage where there are several companies here, I'm, I won't name names because that's not what I'm here for, but there are several companies here now far more than in the past that are really about giving patients full access to the information mm-hmm. about themselves, their families, their kids, their elders, really truly. Now that's where it becomes useful to have a secure public storage thing, uh, publicly accessible, controllable by me. You know, I'm famous for the for the song that Ross Martin made famous, right? Give me my damn data, right? <laughs> it's all about me, so it's mine. You know, that's that's the 
In contrast to that, you take a look at Harlan Krumholtz of Yale, who also has a PHR company, Hugo PHR. He said at the Connected Health Conference in the fall, he had, in, in the process of talking to providers about offering this, pull all the patient's records together for them thing, um, a senior executive at a California system, not Kaiser in case anybody's wondering, said, <laughs> you don't understand, we need affinity and loyalty. Why would we make it easier for one of our customers to leave us? Well, that's, that's the business reality. It is. I, you know, sure, it'll take a generation for the old view to basically age out of the population. Mm -hmm. Kids today, including medical students, I gave a lecture at Dartmouth Medical School earlier this month, uh, they get it. They grew up in the world of, of course, it's my data, data and yeah. so on. But meanwhile, uh, it makes sense also to sort of activate the public, the consumer, the patient, the what I call the person who actually has the problem. Sure. Right, to help them be in better control. Right, and being vocal about what they want and what needs well, they and expect that's, to be met. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's so important because so often after I give a speech, some people will say, well, my patients aren't like you. They're not asking for this. So we really need to speak up. And the funny thing about that is I'm fond of quoting that in the 1912 election in the U.S., women's suffrage was mm -hmm. on the ballot and the anti-suffrage people some of whom might have been jerks, I don't know, or some of them might have been really just honest, concerned thinkers. The brochure said, vote no on suffrage because 90% of women aren't asking for it. Exactly <laughs> the same thing. Oh, it is exactly the same thing. And I'm reminded of that Henry Ford quote. You know, it, uh, it's the, gosh, he had said something along the lines of, if he had asked his customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah. And this is very much in that same vein well, where it's like, you know, they're, Sometimes you're not exactly sure, on a broad scale, like the, the mass, the right. population, isn't exactly sure what it is that they're asking for, but then it starts to become clearer over time. Well, and nobody was asking for an iPhone right. when it came out. That's, that's the Steve Jobs thing. Uh, nobody yeah. was asking for an iPad. Who would have thought that within 10 years... We can't live have, without them. <laughs> well, you'd have things like this. I mean, this is a you know an FDA-approved... EKG. Now, for everybody can who can't see Amazon. this, um, we've, we've got e-patient Dave holding up his phone and he's got, what are these sensors on the back these of it? Are, these are electrodes. They're electrodes and it is an EKG yes. that you can do through your phone. It's a single lead EKG, That's not incredible. as fancy as the six wires on your chest. Sure. But the guy who's famous for uh, expressing the need for this is Hugo Campos. Sure. And he can tell, without being in the doctor's office, he has a bad heart, he can tell whether an arrhythmia that he's having, just by putting two fingers on the back of his iPhone, whether it's VTAC or AFib or whatever, uh, it hasn't put doctors out of business, it right. hasn't put hospitals out of business, it just gives more information to the person who has the problem. And that's really what it's all about, right? It's getting more information well, to the, to I the patient. I think so. At the same time, I've heard executives say that they have a responsibility to the organization that hired them to protect the finances. So they, while they're doing their jobs, we need to do ours, right. which is stick up for our families. Definitely.
Well, eat patient, Dave. And we could go, I could talk to you all afternoon. I truly could. Um, but we, we appreciate you stopping by here at the Conversa Health booth and speaking with us um, with Health Innovation Media. Um, we are going to be talking now uh, to, I think Matthew Holt has finally made his way over um, from wherever he was. So oh I believe he's goodness. going to be sitting with us. Is that right? Um, there he is. <laughs> as soon as we can get him out of the conversation, okay. he's wrapped up in. But e-patient, Dave, thank you so much. And for anybody who wants to read your blog about blockchain, where can they look for that information? So just Google ePatient Dave, spell it any way you want, and I'm the only one that comes up. And when you get there, search for blockchain. Definitely. ePatient okay. Dave, it's a delight to speak with you. Enjoy the rest of him. So Thank much. you so much. Thank you. is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.